Welcome back to another episode of Rewind. Tonight we're discussing the art house indie film classic, Mississippi Masala. This is a little known but lyrical and probing film by Indian filmmaker Mira Nair. With simplicity and style, but richness in theme, Mississippi Masala takes the love story to new depths, exploring topics like colorism, anti-blackness, and xenophobia between racial groups. Let's get into this discussion. Welcome back to another episode of Rewind. This is our second Rewind. And um, as you can tell by the title, tonight the film that we are discussing is an indie classic called Mississippi Masala. Um, this is a film written and directed by a woman named Mir Nair. She's actually a really famous filmmaker um, from out of India. And... Um, yeah, this is the first time I've actually watched her work. To my knowledge, I've watched her work unless I've seen something else that I didn't know was directed by her. And honestly, this film, watching this film just from another filmmaker perspective made me want to um, watch more of her work um, because of the just some of the themes she put in there, the way she was able to wrap all of those complex themes into this love story and to sort of... Um, like the lyrical quality, like the softness, I think, in her film is really interesting. I think that's something that I don't necessarily even like. That's not my first impulse. So it's nice when people use something like, um, or they like use softness as a way to sort of um, tell a narrative. So, yeah, let's first start off by overall impressions of the film what was your first what was your overall impression of the film watching it caitlin um i mean i thought it's like uh especially for like that era um it was one of your like typical like love movies i guess you could say um Mm. where there's like you're following basically this romance this not forbidden but like this romance that maybe should not happen or like you should be with that person specifically or whatever so it was like your typical like 90s um film I think kind of like um along the lines of like Jason's lyric um poetic justice some of Mm -hmm. those like little love movies kind of thing so yeah I hadn't thought about it in in that context as far as like Jason's lyrics but yeah, I could really? actually I definitely see that. Yeah, it didn't make me oh, think okay. of Jason's lyric for whatever reason. Yeah, but, well, it's kind of like that, like, you're not supposed to be with this person kind of person, kind of movie, I mean. So. Oh, yeah. But now that you mention it, yeah, it's absolutely like that. And also, just so you know, this movie was uh, released in 1992. Mm-hmm. I want to say it was at a pretty big film festival, like independent film mm-hmm. festival, I want to say, but don't quote me on that because I'm really not entirely sure about that. I thought I read that it was at like Sundance or something, but I could be wrong. Hmm. Like back in the day? Yeah, like back in the day, like 92. Hmm. Interesting. Actually, not sure though. Um, I do know the director Mirinir is um, like her films in India are pretty big. So like um, the film that she created, narrative film she created before this one is called Solid Salam Bombay and it's like got kind of a cinema verite style which is for those who don't know is like cinema verite is like a French word for like true cinema and basically what that is is like it's kind of taking um it's kind of this like raw real approach to cinema um and like mainly documentaries use that kind of thing of like they'll go and like film on the streets they'll kind of follow people around and it feels very um 
um, authentic, I guess. That's that's like, that's the word you could use. It's not as like structured as Mm -hmm. other um, styles of filmmaking are. And so I think um, that's kind of a style that she was using in, uh, that she had been using before, but then once you get into narrative filmmaking, you typically don't use that as much, although you can. But um, yeah, and it's kind of like it's like running gun filmmaking before running gun filmmaking like existed. You know what I mean? And yeah. you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, my my overall impression of the film is like was it's kind of the same thing as Caitlin. Like it was this like soft love story, but there were so many like complex themes that if you really look into it, dig into it, you can find it there. You know, like I was saying in the introduction. It is, it's not just about um, the relationship between Demetrius and Mina. It's actually about the colorism, it's about the anti-blackness, it's about xenophobia. It's about um, all these other themes we'll get into later, but that the surface is sort of the, uh, the romance, right? The, mm. what's underneath and the the reason why their their racial groups are in such conflict is because of those deeper themes, you know, which is not uncommon even today. So I thought that that was really interesting that they really worked that into the narrative very seamlessly, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, just a little quick rundown on actually the synopsis of the film. We hope you've you know been able to watch it if you're listening to this episode, but. A brief synopsis is that an ethnic Indian family is expelled from Idi Amin's Uganda in 1973 and lives in Mississippi 17 years later. Um, so that's the basic premise. And then you have um, the daughter of um, a man, the man who was uh, expelled in the 1970s. She's grown up now and she falls in love with a black carpenter Um or carpet cleaner, excuse me. And it's basically about the their racial groups kind of infighting within Mississippi to kind of tear them apart, but them trying to obviously blossom this relationship or like make, you know, have this relationship with each other. So yeah, that's, that's kind of a rundown of um, just the plot of the film. Um, but now let's get into some of the formal qualities of this project for me you know even as a filmmaker watching this film i didn't find anything crazy going on formally with this film you know as far as the look and how um how it's structured or anything right so it's not an experimental film really in any way if anything i think that the film the look of the film itself is very uh straightforward and kind of soft which in a way, does lend itself more towards the romantic, um, intimate, you know, feeling of the storyline. So what I mean by that soft film look is kind of like the soft focus as well as some of the color choices to me seem to be like very warm, especially when we get to like the Indian, um, like the Indian wedding or we get to um, like the, I'm thinking of like the dance scene where the, like the dance hall is kind of this like low light, you know, very close bodies packed type thing. That's what, that's kind of what I'm, what I think when I think of this film, um, with just like some of the, um, 
made some of the directing choices, some of the lighting choices, some of the color choices. And it, it puts you, in my opinion, like right there with the um, with the characters. And it's like intentionally intimate. Which again, makes sense for the narrative because this is a romance. This is a love story. This is about people trying to connect to each other, right? Um, so yeah, um, I think most of the shots are fairly standard. Nothing like stood out to me on uh, on the first watch. Maybe if I watched it again, I would notice like, okay, this kind of shot or that kind of shot or whatever. But everything felt like fairly standard, like a close-up when a close-up made sense or a far... Uh, um, a far away shot when a, when a far or not far away shot but a long shot when a long shot made sense nothing like jumped out at me as like oh this is a direct stylistic choice here you know mm-hmm. um which again i think that kind of in my opinion that kind of comes from that like her uh it could it could come from just more of like a we need to like tell the narrative and let the theme speak for itself you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is again that's another type of style so you don't have to get crazy with the camera. Um, I do think one scene that that stood out a little more formally is when Mina and Demetrius are on the phone with each other. And it's I, I don't want to call it phone sex, but it almost feels like that. Um, yeah. Really, they're just kind of, it's just like a split screen and they're both talking and like it's very intimate and they're both in bed. So there's like the the idea that if they were in the same room, they would be in bed together, right? but they're in separate places. So I think that that actually that framing, that um, that editing style of that split screen and then putting them like kind of directly next to each other, but not in the same room. I think that um, that creates a lot of sexual tension without actually making these characters have any intercourse at all. You know what I mean? I think that is, um, that's a really poignant and really like brilliant way to do that. Because, um, I mean, it's an artistic, lyrical way to do it, too, because so many people just would show the sexual scene, right? But I think in that moment, she wanted to get at the idea of these two people are obviously sexually attracted to each other. They're attracted to each other romantically as well. and But they're in two different spaces, too. You know what I mean? So I think that was a really poignant way of... Uh, representing that very clearly on screen um so that's that's one moment where i think the form of uh, you know like the camera where she's putting the camera and how it's displayed on screen is really sticking out but everything else seemed fairly like standard to me you know mm-hmm. again i have to watch again to really pick up on even even smaller subtleties but yeah um so yeah, that's what I think mainly for formal qualities. I like that she used Indian music as like a part of the score as well and traditional clothing. I think that was really, um, that was nice. Or she used kind of the juxtaposition of like traditional Indian clothing with westernized clothing because we do have that group of men. I don't know if you remember, but the group of dudes and the Indian guys who were like wearing business suits and wearing very Western attire. But mm-hmm juxtaposed with and they were kind of like the like fools in the scene like they were just kind of like the like rowdy guys who like young guys like you know what I mean kind of going around but they were wearing very like westernized clothes kind of in my opinion to symbolize that they had taken on like 
kind of the American mentality, just kind of like schmooze, get by, take easy street if you can type mentality, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I thought that was very intentional because they were really the only Indian people wearing westernized American clothes while like Mina's mother and uh, father were much more subdued um, or other people were wearing more traditional like Indian clothing. So I thought that choice, that was a wardrobe choice, but um, I thought that came across very clearly for their characters. And yeah, otherwise, you know, I don't think nothing else like jumped out at me. If something else jumped out at you as like a formal quality in this film, like let me know because I would love to definitely like go back, take a look. See if anything else jumped out at me? Mm, not necessarily. <laughs> Is there anything else you like? Nothing I don't jumped like, out to you formally? Not formally. Like, I don't really look when I'm like watching a movie, I'm looking more for like content, like not necessarily the formality of it because I don't really know the ins and outs to look for. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't have the same background when it comes to film. Mm-hmm. to like look for those things or dissect those things. Like you are like making me see, like notice things. And I'm like, Oh wow. I guess I didn't think of that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I don't really have like formal qualities. Um, as far you, as the, the film itself. You look for it though. Cause it's yeah, like, exactly. Everything you put on screen has some sort of implication even if it's not yeah it doesn't have to be the most significant thing in the in the world but it's like Mm -hmm. when you start constructing things from the ground up you're like okay should she be wearing yellow or pink should yeah exactly this type of you know garb and if if they are wearing this what does that mean for their characters so those things when you start making films that immediately jumps out to you because you're like that all of it was a choice everything is a choice you know? Yeah. And see, that's what like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't have any formal qualities because I don't like, I don't see those things as being like necessarily significant, which I always assume that your normal uh, moviegoer does not perceive those things. It's just like, oh, they, that's what they had available, you know? Yeah. Um, we but don't really like that's pay attention to those things. Is to make it so like, it feels normal and natural. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you're aiming to draw attention to what this person is wearing and why they're yeah. wearing something. But I will say people might not notice why it's there, but they will notice if it's out of place. You know, does that make yeah. sense? Exactly. People, if they, if she was wearing like the Indian traditional family was wearing 1700s clothing, people would be like, now what was that for? They exactly. Might not, yeah, no. If it makes sense, they won't note it. But if it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense, I will note it, if that makes sense. For sure. You know what 1,000%. I, mean? I agree with that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, like people will pick up on small things when it's out of place. But they won't For necessarily sure. pick up on small things if it is, if like it fits the narrative, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So on one level, it's kind of a good thing. If you don't pick up on something, it's like, well, it made sense, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's kind of what I would say for formal qualities. Um like I was saying, I think the themes underneath is really where this film shines the biggest, you know. Um, and some of the themes that we noted was definitely colorism. I think that's mm-hmm. actually probably one of the biggest themes throughout the entire film is um, just colorism within the Indian family and the community. The idea that Mina was like too dark 
to be with somebody like Henry, who who her family like wanted her to marry. They wanted her to marry like a good Indian boy, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that came with like like status. Like marriage in, in in the Indian culture means way more than what it possibly means in America. So, well, I think she was conflicted. Like she's she despite she her raising in Uganda as a full Indian child was a lot smaller and not as significant obviously as her father you know like yeah i'd say she spent most of her life probably in america and mississippi right Mm -hmm. yeah she was young when she moved over mostly american i mean that's a that's a confliction for her character is like where does she where does her identity lie you know yeah Mm yeah no i definitely think that was like a huge theme too is like who am I, you know, like this identity, this theme of like figuring out the, who am I, my identity, what do I identify as? Same thing with her dad. Like he was very conflicted with like, okay, yeah, I'm Indian, but I'm Ugandan um, as well because he was born and raised there. So Mm -hmm. he felt entitled to be able to stay there because he had been born and raised there. But um, that's not his... um, it's like ethnic. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's not his ethnicity. So, but like, who are you to tell somebody you're not, you know, maybe African because you lived there your whole life. That's all you know, you know? Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting. It's like, it does raise that question of where does identity lie? Is it a racial? Is it an ethnic? Is it mm-hmm. a national? Like, and yeah. what happens when those things are in conflict for someone like um, Jay, Mina's dad, mm-hmm. who is ethnically, and racially Indian, mm-hmm. but is raised in Uganda, so identifies even more probably with that nationality than yeah. with his own, you know, ethnic and uh, racial group. Mm-hmm. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he, I, I get the feeling he would feel out of place if he was in um, Bombay, <laughs> in India. Oh yeah, you know? yeah. I don't think they. Yeah, I think Amina says in the movie too, like they've never been to India, so like they don't know what that what it's like to be there. Yeah, um, they just they don't were, identify with it, and that. But that's what I find interesting too. Is like, then they get to America where they are extra out of. Uh, I don't want to say out of place, but they're really not with their ethnic group, right? They're not with their national mm-hmm. group or their ethnic group, so they're in America. Mm-hmm. And then you have someone like Demetrius, who historically Black Americans have been in the same position that an Indian family, that Mina's family is in. They're not their ethnic group. Your national group that you belong to is not rooted in America, nor is like your ethnic group or your racial group is not rooted in American soil. But this is where you mm-hmm. have found yourself through yeah. you know, historical events. Because really, mm-hmm. Demetrius's family, yes, Mississippi is like where they are residing now. But like historically, where would he have? Racially, his group of people would not have been in mis- in the Americas at all. They would have been in Africa. Exactly. Yeah, and so, I think that kind of like it's like a full circle for for Mina in a sense. It's interesting, definitely, because I mean, this is like we were saying, it's so subtle on the surface, but these themes are like actually quite complex. I mean, identity and nationality, ethnicity; those are things mm-hmm. people have to negotiate through, uh, throughout their entire lives. 
you know, and then it comes together in this love story where we see Mina dealing with her own identity and then Demetrius, you know, who represents a whole other um, racial group living in America, who is also kind of um, the other kind of an outcast misplaced. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Part of a diaspora. That's that's what I think. I think this is kind of a di- diasporatic film. Do you know what diaspora means? No. Okay, so diaspora is basically referencing, they usually use it in African uh, cultures to explain the peoples or the, the different groups of Africans and Black people that mm-hmm. are um, spread across the globe for various reasons, historical reasons. Slavery would be a major one. But like, if you talk about the African diaspora, you talk about uh, Africans who end up in London and then that ethnic group that evol- evolves there. Same thing with African-Americans mm-hmm. and same things with like Africans in the Caribbean or, or in um, Latino countries or not mm-hmm. Latino, excuse me, South American countries. The diaspora is does, is uh, talking about that spread out of different mm-hmm. racial groups. So Got it. when you, so like, you know, Mina's family would be kind of diasporatic for the Indian community because her people's, or the Indian people ended up in Uganda because they, they were brought there to work, right? So that mm-hmm. immediately creates a spread out of their, uh, a spread away from their homeland. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, and diaspora is a kind of a big word, but that's where there's a lot of literature surrounding that, like African diaspora, and I'm sure like the Indian diaspora, and even like, you know, everything is so like blended now. It's, like every culture has a diaspora pretty much. But um, yeah. But that's kind of when I look at these two communities, I'm like, they're really this is like conflict of the diaspora as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. If you look, Google the term diaspora, you'll see what I'm talking about. They probably explain it a lot better than me, but that's kind of in simple terms what diaspora means. So if you hear that that term, that's kind of it means like a kind of spread out or uh, almost like a misplacing away from the homeland of different of a racial group around mm. the world, you know? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And I, and I just think it's really, this was just really nice to bring attention to the fact that uh, black people aren't the only ones who exist in a diaspora. Cause that's what we tend to think of as like black people and the only ones who's like spread out. Right. But, the Indian community has, I'm sure like the Latino community definitely has. So that's really, it's just pretty interesting. You still there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that this film can be looked at in that way as well. Like you could look at it from a racial, ethnic identity perspective. You look at it from a diaspora perspective, and and then you know you get into more specifics like something like colorism. So, um, what do you think about the colorism? Just either within the Indian community, but also uh, between the Black community and the Indian community. I think that, so we talked about Mina, how she was considered too dark, um, especially in reference of like who she could date. Mm-hmm. Um, when those were the, 
they they have this idea of colorism within the Indian community, and mm-hmm. they pretty much mirrored the uh, the spectrum that you would see in the African American community. But it was like the African Americans were like still beneath them. It's like, I'm, well, I'm Indian. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that while there was colorism within each of the communities, um, it was also this like. Uh, this divide between ethnicities, I guess you could say. Um, Mm. So that was, it's interesting. You see that they, the Indian community adopts sort of the white idea of, of yeah, this is, it's like they're closer to whiteness. So it's like, I'm okay. Yeah. Even though they're not accepted either. That's also another term for you. That's what anti-blackness is, is basically Mm -hmm. adopting the idea or upholding the idea that anything black, the closer you are to blackness, the like more inferior you become. So mm-hmm. different groups around the world adopt that. That's not just an American idea. Other countries practice that as we see in this film, even in 1992, Mina was on the darker side for an Indian. So that was seen as negative. Mm-hmm. Same thing like in, um, I know like in Chinese communities, the like more tan you are, that is like, seen as bad that's a form of anti-blackness is this darkness being closer to black is always is seen as bad across the board for any racial ethnic group mm-hmm. yes and that's why people say like anti-blackness is spread across the globe it's not just an american thing it's not just a european thing anti-blackness is seen as uh the closer you are to blackness that is that's always seen as bad which again what puts black people people of color in this very, very, uh, uh, you become the other in every single corner of the globe aside from your own homeland. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yep. I think that played like a really big, that was a huge theme in this movie. Like it was from start to beginning. I think also too, like, I, I, um, in the beginning, so, you know, Jay, which is the dad, he is living in Uganda. Um, and it was, he kind of had like this, like chip on his shoulder, um, in my personal opinion, um, which I don't know if it was strictly because he was Indian and he, you know, had this idea that he was superior because of his closeness to whiteness, um, or if it was maybe his success in Uganda, but it was like fine and dandy while he was over there in Uganda. But when he came to the States, it's like, Oh no, black men, which I wonder if that's because of his experience with blackness and being rejected maybe. So he Mm -hmm. like took that and um, used it against African-Americans in Mississippi. Um, But I mean, he was fine and dandy as long as he had his quote unquote brothers in Uganda, but he comes to the States and he's like, you know, don't hang out with black people to his daughter. Like what? Yeah. So because they see American blackness and Ugandan blackness as different types. Maybe. Because I think I do think the perception of black Americans is always that black Americans are more ignorant or somehow or they're like yeah. not re- like really black or they're, they're, they're sort of like the like I don't, I don't I hate to say just ignorant but like the the other of the other you know like yeah the bottom like legitimately yeah I think they consider it more like an African black person than to be an, an African-American um 
which again is no fault of African Americans own because who was brought here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. But um I think uh I think that might have played a part in it too. You know? Yeah, that's I can see that. I mean I don't know. I was just like it's for me watching the movie, colorism became a thing after he moved from Uganda, right? Um specifically for Jay. Which makes me wonder if it if it really is the idea of colorism or just his experience, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean that's I think that's a good probing question because I don't I don't know if the film really answers that. I don't think it does actually. Like we no, just know that he does love his Ugandan brothers, and they're yeah. black black people in America. So mm-hmm. I think and so I don't think it's like it's he's he's kind of like. I guess it's sort of hypocritical on his part because, yeah, like he doesn't want her with a black American, but he's like cool with Ugandan. And maybe it's because he's like not marrying his daughter off. Like, you know how it is. It's like we're fine as long as you like don't marry into our family or don't come close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Which I, I mean, I wonder, like, I don't know the Ugandan tradition. Like, do they marry? I, know, I, I think they like marry their daughters off kind of thing. They don't really... I don't know if they have much choice in the matter or if it's for status or whatever. I don't know if it's the same premise, but I, I think it is the um, same underlying respect for the culture and what your parents have to say when it comes to who you marry. Um, versus in this situation with Mina and Henry, it was just like, I'm doing what makes me happy. Um, yeah. Which to me well, is fair yeah, because I'm an American. Demetrius, not Henry. It's not Henry, sorry, Demetrius. Mm-hmm. Um um, so yeah, she she wants to be in this relationship with Demetrius, um, and but her parents, I feel like, want her to be with Henry. That's yeah. Um, so Henry was Henry's an Indian. Yeah, Demetrius is an African American. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this yeah, it's kind of it's really complex. I think like, and there's really no answer to it. Obviously. Even for Mina and Demetrius, they didn't really have an answer to it. They just did what felt good, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, Mina's just very removed from that tradition and like that. Yeah, she's, I would say Mina's almost more Western than anybody in the film. 100%. (laughs) He's very much agency. This is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know? Her parents were definitely holding on to that. Which is odd to me because it's like they're holding on to this Indian tradition that they didn't necessarily follow either. You know what I mean? Though they were Indian, they lived in Uganda. So it's like this Indian culture is also very new to Mina too, which in mm-hmm. my personal opinion could be why she um, just decided I'm just going to have my own way of doing things. Because it's confusing for a child. Before they came to America, they lived in uh, United Kingdom. So mm-hmm. the kid was just thrown into different cultural situations and that can make a child wonder who am I um, yeah. and then rebel and just do whatever they want. Exactly. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think also something that stood out to me is how the black community exoticized Mina, at least yeah. the black community anyways. We didn't really see how black women interacted, but like uh, we saw Demetrius's friend, um, I forgot what his his character name is. I know the actor's name is Charles Dutton Jr., who's actually like kind of like famous from back in the day. But um, 
he, they were all like, yeah, you got the Indian girl. Ha, 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 you know, how like dudes talk. And I just like, it was like, I was like, when that's how they talk, they're like, ha, ha, look at you, you know, cackle, cackle, laugh, laugh type thing. So, <laughs> so yeah, they were just like exoticizing that he like got with Mina or that Mina was interested in him, you know. And yeah, I don't think he necessarily of, cared. It was more of like people around him. Yeah, I don't think Demetrius cared. Um and but I think it was like the people around him who made it like apparent that she that she was the exotic other, you know? Mm-hmm. And she was desirable because she was the, the exotic because other. She was exotic other. And I think they kind of, which is a form of reducing people, actually. Exoticizing is a form of reducing. It's not really flattering. But yeah. um, I think back then they didn't see it as a. I don't think so, but they do it. They did it. It was. <laughs> yeah. It was and is. Yeah. It's like, I mean, honestly, I think it's the same reason why, like, now, like, white women are seen as, like, the prize or, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like that idea of, like, anything but blackness is is better you know yeah and i think and again lame but um <laughs> but because they had another black woman there who was um, demetrius's original love interest mm-hmm. and i forgot what her name is so i'm gonna say it's like rachel or something something r or robin yeah but, I don't um, remember. but they had her there and she showed up and everything and um and I mean, I guess they were kind of like they. I don't think they necessarily put her down because she was black or she was darker skin. Mm-hmm. They were just like she's like the vixen. She's just like she turned Demetrius down. She's not trying to get with Demetrius and saw her as kind of a negative thing, you know. Yeah, but that's fair. When I mean, she could have turned him down because like. Not necessarily because he's black. Like he could have been a bum. You don't know. Not that necessarily. I mean, he doesn't really strike me as a bum, but not like a bum. But like, there's a million reasons somebody would turn somebody down, not just because they're black or not. You know. But it does happen too. So, I mean, it does happen. I'm not. I don't know. Her character. We didn't get too much into her character. We just. She was basically a plot point, in my opinion. She was just kind of. Yeah, no. Being for sure, and she was there for like five seconds. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think um, another interesting theme is uh, we kind of talked about how the community see the other, but something else I thought was interesting is the idea of like deflowering or when it comes to women and if for those who don't know that means that basically is the idea of like taking someone's virginity or taking somebody's like um just I guess I guess sleeping with somebody but like being somebody's first time right or right like Mina was that was her first relationship her first everything so the idea of women like becoming spoiled goods somehow after being with certain men I think that was a subtle theme um, in this film, just in relationship to what we were saying about colorism and um, seeing how mm-hmm. the other, I think they were really concerned with the fact that she like is now, cause she's with Demetrius. She's like no longer like pristine and prime for a good Indian guy, you know? Yeah. She likes spoiled good now. 
Yeah. And I think that's interesting because, I mean, that gets more into just kind of gender and sexism or whatever. But I do think that that was that gave their family a certain level of anxiety. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe you're doing this because now you're no longer available. You know? Mm-hmm. Which I wonder, like, I feel like that was more pushed by her parents than it was necessarily Mina. Mina didn't really care. I feel like Mina was a well-rounded individual. She knew she was doing. She knew mm-hmm. she was genuinely interested in Demetrius. Um, Cause if that's the case, then she would have been like doing any and everything with, for example, Henry. Um, Cause she met Henry or she was out with Henry when she met Demetrius kind of mm-hmm. sort of. Um, and so I don't, I think it's, her parents were more pushing that narrative than Mina really cared. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. you know, she yeah. didn't, she she knew what she was doing she was 24 and she like states that at the end of the movie she's like i'm 24 i'm grown like i basically she needs to be able to make her own decisions and do what makes her happy not live for her parents wishes and dreams mm-hmm. agreed yeah i i totally agree with you i think mina to me again is the character who's most western and has the most asserts her agency the most really out of yeah. anybody and who's like, this is the life I'm going to live. I'm going to like, this is, I'm going to do this. And she succeeds. I mean, she does what she wants to do at, at the end of the day. Oh, yeah, she does. She finds a way. <laughs> she finds a way to do what she wants to do. And I mean, really, all her, her parents can complain, but like, that's it, you know? Um, yep. But I, I just think it's interesting that the traditional family still has that idea of like, you're spoiled if you, you know, do this sort of thing and that that becomes a main source of tension or why they really don't even want her to get with somebody like Demetrius because they don't want her spoiled even by an Indian person, but certainly not by a, a black person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I that's think something too, like, that all comes Did the parents have an arranged marriage? Yeah. Yeah. I think they stated that, that the parents had an arranged marriage and that they learned to like love each other over the years or something. Yeah, I think, I mean, also to the narrative that, oh, well, it worked for me, so it should work for you kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But everybody's different. So, I mean, plus they live in a, a completely different community um, with a different set of individuals. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm realizing now that this is, this film is also a lot about tradition versus uh, progress, I guess, or yeah. like kind of that do we stick with what's tradition and what it should be, whatever should, should be done according to the old ways versus do we figure out a new way to live in a way that works for us? You yeah. Know? I think also to the, um, the contrast between tradition and, um, the contrast between, Tradition and the um, adapting to, I guess, like maybe the traditions of the the new community that you're living in, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So like how the tradition of the American culture is going versus, for example, for these individuals, the Indian community, um, vastly different. But Mina's like, no, I'm adapting to the world that I'm living in and the the, um, people that I'm around that I have to survive with, right? Um, Versus the parents are like holding on to any little hope of maintaining this Indian tradition um, that I mean personally I don't think they're fully tied to is just because they're supposed to and that's the community that they're currently living in in Mississippi 
Yeah. Agreed. It's definitely that question of assimilation. Like, yeah. Do we, you know, assimilate to the culture that is, um, that we are living in, that we're existing in? Or do we still hold on to our tradition? And I think exactly. even them living in that motel and trying to stick with only an Indian community, I think that's their way of really trying to hold on to their tradition. Oh, 100%. 100%. Mm-hmm. And we see that even in, you know, cities today, like um, entire sections of city will be de- dedicated to a certain ethnic group. And uh-huh. the people there really try their absolute best to hold on to tradition, even though they're in a new land, you know, or they're in a land, they're like in a new place that is not their homeland, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Now you see that all the time. Yep. And we both live in big cities, so you see all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's like why one part of the city is Chinatown versus like, you know, yeah. town or whatever. It's like the, those communities are named after them trying to hold on to what they know, their yeah. tradition, and not trying and actually trying to actively not assimilate. <laughs> you know? For sure. Yeah. Same thing here. They have like little areas, um, you know, like certain parts, north, south, east, west kind of thing. Every part is known for being um, a specific type of community. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah. 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 So what did you think about, like, the idea of this, um, I guess, like, the... The age gap between Mina and Demetrius. Um, I, I actually, I kind of thought it was slightly concerning really? only because, yeah. Cause I was like, Demetrius had to be in his thirties, right? Maybe, maybe late twenties. I, I felt maybe because I just know Denzel at the time would have been probably in his thirties, if not closer to forties. Mm-hmm. I like, I don't know. Something about it was like halfway concerning. Like it gave me this little sliver of concern only because I saw myself as like Mina's age and I would have been like, not that I feel like he was really trying to take advantage of her, but I feel like, I don't know. It's it's always concerning to me when, when the guy is significantly older than the woman. That's just me. Really? Yeah. It's always well, here's concerning. the thing. I think that. This is the reason why it's not concerning to me. It's because Mina was pretty mature, and I don't think she would have done good with anybody that was uh, not mature. So I think she needed someone like Demetrius who was going to challenge her, who was going to um, show her new things, because she was already curious and trying to do those things. Um, and so it was really just like the icing on the cake to allow her to to be more adventurous to be more open to new things to try new things try um you know experiencing things with different cultures and whatnot so i don't think she would have done good with someone like for example henry who was the indian individual that was interested in her because he was like following the status quo she would have been bored yeah so i think it depends on the person um if me i would have said no yeah. Well, okay. I guess what's concerning is I is the experience level. So this is like Mina's first like real relationships or first like 
from what we understand, this is like her first like kind of forbidden romance type thing. Really, probably her first mm-hmm. romance, serious romance, anyways, in the first place. You know. Mm-hmm. But Demetrius already had a relationship, and we see the lady that he had a relationship with, and he was like with her in a serious way. Like I think he, didn't they say he was like intending to marry her? I think so. Yeah, like he had proposed or something. He was trying, he was seriously trying to like move his life in that direction. And so I just, I don't want Mina to be the like young rebound because I do feel like at least in American culture or male culture, that is like what they do is like the woman who rejects them, the woman closer to the age who rejects them, they just get with somebody younger and more impressionable somebody not as experienced not necessarily impressionable but somebody not as experienced and then they become that person's like whole scope of understanding what relationships are and so I always I'm a little like eh on that just because of his experience level versus Mina's experience level well we don't really know Mina's experience level because we meet Mina at 24 right the only reason yeah. why we know Demetrius's experience level is because we um, meet his ex and they have yeah. an interaction, her, Mina, and Demetrius, right? So we really yeah. don't know Mina's. So, I mean, that's why I'm like, who am I to judge? You know what I mean? Um, we just don't get to see that side of her. Outside of we get to see her interaction with Henry. Um, but she didn't really feel Henry like that. It was like, oh, let's go hang out. Let's have a good time. <laughs> so... Yeah. But I personally, um, I, there to me, there's nothing like a mature woman having to settle for an immature man. Like that is. Like, oh no, Mina should never have settled. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but I mean, if she if she finds someone like Demetrius, which Demetrius seemed to be pretty respectful, like he was oh. never like. I don't think he um, was. I'm not saying he was like totally weird. I'm just saying the optics. If we look at this on paper. And experience level, mm. it can so happen. I'm just saying, in less in mature worlds, it does happen where there's this older guy trying to rebound, but just gets like any impressionable young woman has some sort of yeah. Rebound. But I would say they're probably a less than a, like a ten year age gap. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't say more than ten years. Like, this is not like a six year old going for a twenty one year old. Like this is. Less than 10 years, easily. So I, th- I think there is a little bit. And Mina's 24. Like, Mina's uh, around our age. And so I feel like at 24, you can make a sound decision for yourself. Um, and if you don't make a sound decision for yourself, then you know the repercussions of your actions. Or you have to deal with them. I know. I'm just saying. But 24 also, I guess there's like a girlishness and an inexperienced level to Mina that I keep going back to and thinking like, she just hasn't experienced this. So even if you are able to make a right and wrong decision and you have the faculties to do that, that doesn't mean you have the experience to know what you should or shouldn't do. You and I both know, having been 24, 25, you can know, you can prepare yourself and know everything about the world. We're sound-minded individuals. We're educated individuals. That doesn't mean we know what to do every time we're in a, a new experience type situation, especially relationships. So how else is she going to learn? I mean, I, I'm not saying she did it wrong. And I actually think this was a better option. I'm just saying, like, when I think about it, I think 
some people, not necessarily Demetrius, actually, but some people do prey on inexperience when it comes oh, to sure. Yeah. There are people. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think in this particular case, in this particular case only, because I'm not speaking for the masses here, I'm not speaking to the creeps who try Mm -hmm. to prey on young women. Um, This worked because Demetrius, first of all, was not interested in her just because of, first of all, her her, uh, exotic look, right? He was not interested in her because of her age. He didn't really care. Um, And the same thing goes for her. It was just like she had a genuine connection with this person, right? Um, so that's what I mean by there's a level of maturity in both individuals that makes this work um, yeah. versus an individual. Like another thing, too, I do think just the actor Denzel does make it a little bit better. I'm not going to lie. Like, I do feel like yeah. aesthetically is less creepy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I agree, like, but I think also, too, like Denzel looks older. <laughs> what I think Denzel looks older, though. So, he, I mean, this individual could have been in their 20s, too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, they do talk about him being young um, and him being, um, you know, like having the option to go and better himself. But he ends up staying home to help his dad and stuff like that. So I don't think he's too old. Um, No, I think I'm just saying I can see him being in his 30s. That's all I'm saying. Early 30s and her being in her. I see him being in like his late 20s. No, I see him being in his early 30s. It could, well, it could be because I see Denzel, the actor, as probably being in his 30s at that time. That's what I was going to say. Like, Denzel, it looks older. So it's hard to, like, you can't gauge how old uh, the character is based on Denzel's look. (laughs) I think I got caught up in Denzel. (laughs) Yeah. Do I really see this working? Yeah. Like, but, I mean, you have to separate Denzel from the character because. Yeah, you're right. It's like optically, you would be like, hmm, like he could be her dad, let's be honest. Um, yeah, but that's but, what I'm saying. At that point, then I'm like, okay, so would it have, would I have seen this differently if it had been another actor's body in that position? Like somebody who legitimately was in there was 28, 29, not Denzel, mm-hmm. who's, you know, 35, pushing 40. Yeah. Well, you know, that could be one of the the uh, formal qualities, you know, they maybe weren't as strategic on picking an individual that yeah. fit the look. I, I know there's so many like you honestly, you could have got the guy from Jason's Lyric. Yeah. Or you could have yeah. got I'm trying to think of other black actors who would have been in that age range at the time. Um, who were pretty big. Um, who else? Well, I guess Denzel was probably the biggest one at the time. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, they probably they also probably put him in there because he has a lot of star power. Um, yeah. No, but who who else were black actors at that time who would have really fit that age range? Mm. See, I feel like in that era, everybody looked kind of old. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're right. We I think now our generation tends to look more young, like youthful, different. despite yeah. being relatively the same age. Yeah. Then I think they did like they like to me they look more like they like purposely looked older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Despite but being our age. So they're like twenty five, like looking thirty, forty. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, so maybe I mean the age gap isn't super, super concerning. I just I guess because again, I was associating it kinda heavily with Denzel. I was like, eh. Cause I I feel like the way Denzel looked in the movie, he looked like he could have already been married with two kids. That's what I'm saying. He could have been her dad. Seriously, 
Yeah. But. Which I know he wasn't know. that old in real life. No, because at the time, I, I don't think Denzel would have been even probably 40 at that time. And in 1992, he probably would have been 30s. Maybe. But I do also feel like Denzel has an older demeanor, too. Like, his, mm-hmm. his demeanor is much more, like, uh, wise and, like, established. He never, to me, he never gave off, like, I don't know, young and immature vibes. Like, I don't think he's ever really played young, immature characters. Facts. Bruh, no, in 1992, he was 38. Oh, dang. Oh, shoot. When was Denzel born, then? He was born in 1954. Oh, snap. So he was her dad. Yeah. Well, dang. <laughs> no, but that makes sense, though. Like, wow, you had that. That thought. Yeah. Because yeah. that, that really stood out to me. I was like, the age gap. Yeah. They kinda, like, I, I mean, I agree with you. They kind of look good to be 38. Bro, he's freaking 67 right now. That man look good. No, he looked good to be 38 at that time. No, I'm talking about now he's, he's 67. He looks good. Yeah. No, he still looks, he does still look good. I'm here for it. Mm-hmm. That's why that's why it felt a little creepy to me. You know, that was a casting decision. Because the actress yeah. looked 24, 22, you know what I mean? Really young. Young and spry. <laughs> I think. Oh not that Denzel wasn't. But like 38, you start getting into, okay, mom, dad range. Yeah, but I wonder if it was like a strategic move as in like Denzel was pretty big then. So it's like, let's bring in some notoriety here. Yeah, get some good, you know. Move. Which is yeah. helpful for the film because like Denzel's in it. Okay, let me watch. You know, you got the black community there at least. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, maybe because, yeah, if we like looking at it, he's 38, she's 24. In normal life, that would be a uh, creep. Concerning. Yeah. Concerning. I know my experience with 38 year olds and 38, 40 year olds at, you know, even my age is always concerning. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> like, I'm that type of person where, like, I would date somebody older. I cannot date someone, like, especially a male my age. Never. Can't do it. Oh, no. Males, no. That's, yeah. Males our age are an uh, absolute mess. Yeah. I, would, I, couldn't, I could not do that. I but could not. The ones older to me, what I find is if you are that much older and you're genuinely attracted to somebody that much younger, you're as mature, as immature as the 27-year-old males, too. So, so I'm talking about maybe a max of 10-year age gap. Like, just someone that's... More I like mean, there's a reason why they're that old and still trying to go after somebody 20 years younger than them because that's you what think they 10 see. 10 years, from. yeah. A lot of them they see themselves in that same age range. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, me personally, like, I'm never gonna like go and seek out somebody, but like, if I notice like you're immature and like your age matches to that, because there's some, I'm sure there's some 24 year old men that or 25 year old, whatever, um, who are mature it's just like your actions have to be back in your age and if it's not then i gotta go yeah well i'm just saying to me is worse i'd almost i can almost understand somebody 24 being deeply immature 21 being deeply immature that's not an excuse somebody 38 being deeply immature 40 45 yeah 
you missed the ball, buddy. And I'm just saying a lot of times they'll go after somebody significantly younger because that's the like mentality that they are on. I mean, in some cases, sure. But regardless of if you're, you know, 48 or if you're 28, if you're on that level of immaturity, then you just got to go, period. That's just that's my experience. I'm just saying my experience with the older 30 something year old dudes has always been. They haven't been quite there. They're not like the silver fox that they think they are. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. That's not my experience, but. Well, yeah. Well, I'll just say, I speak from my experience. I'm not going to speak for everybody else's because I'm sure there are 38-year-olds who are mature and are with 24-year-olds and all of that is beautiful and lovely. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying my my personal my personal with the 38-year-olds is why am I more mature than you and I'm 24? Like, why are you making me like two-year-olds? You used, I mean, okay, let's be honest. First of all, that was in a situation that was unwarranted. I'm talking about in a, a like-minded situation where you're both are like oh, yeah. somewhat interested. Um, it's very different than when it's like one way and you're like not feeling that, you know? So okay, that's what I mean well, by like, uh, if it's... I'm just observing their behavior too, though. Not that's even, what I'm saying. If you're observing their behavior, but there's a genuine like, um, it's very different from when there's a disdain. It wasn't just as it wasn't just straight up to sustain. It was just observing, watching their behavior too before there was any mention of anything. And I noted, I noted, I was like, why, why does this group of people behave like children? I guess that's fair. That's all I'm saying is like, I think, I think more than more than we sometimes like to get credit for is like. They can be in that age range and still behave very immaturely. I mean, any age range. It yeah. doesn't negate anybody from being immature. But in my experience, the older, usually the more. And I mean, first of all, like in your situation, these are people that you wouldn't even surround yourself with outside of work. Right. I surround myself around people after uh, communicating with them for an extensive period of time um, that were more like-minded. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? That's what I mean by like, there's a level of like interest. You're like-minded and you're moving in the same like arena. And like, like your situation was unwarranted all the way around. Yeah. It was, it was like trapped because of work. Yeah. Sort of thing. And so you like, even if I didn't want to observe the behavior, which I didn't really want to, I had to, because I was like, at the cubicle you know what I mean so it was like you had to put up with certain behaviors because that's that's the way that they behave you know what I mean you can't like Mm -hmm. teach someone how to be better (laughs) you know especially when they're you know they are that old and they do have children and families and all this stuff you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so yeah I agree with you it's it's the it's the type of person and I met older people who are who are more mature and like aren't like you know immature, but unfortunately, the bad apples do spoil a bunch in some cases. But okay, sorry, we really got off topic there. Um, 
the age gap for Demetrius, I think we settled on the fact that because Denzel, the actor himself, was actually 38 at the time, that's what made him feel older. Yeah. Versus. Which I tried to look at like his, the character's age and it didn't have anything. So. Yeah. But versus the character age, if the character's age was closer to Mina's age, like 29, mm-hmm. then it would have felt more like, you know. Because on some level, I hate to say it, it felt like she was, like, with her uncle. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, like, don't get me wrong. Like, was still good-looking at the time. You know, he still had his, his charms about him. And, you know, was Denzel. I mean, he was, he was pretty famous by that time, right? Mm-hmm. I think he had already done, like, um, maybe not training day yet, but, like, he had done his his stuff. So Denzel was already pretty much on his way. If he wasn't already a household name, he was on the, his way, right? But, yeah. like, yeah, he he feels more like uncle. And so I think that's what creeps me out a little bit. It's just the casting decision there. Mm-hmm. I would have liked to have seen a younger black man in that role. Um. Okay, okay, I got it. The guy from... um. The guy who was Denise's husband and the Cosby show. Hmm. No. He looks older to me too. But in nineteen ninety two, you gotta think nineteen ninety two. I mean he looks like he's I guess. I mean I guess that's better than yeah, I guess that's better than Denzel, maybe. He looks sort of like Denzel. Mm-hmm. I can't, I'm trying to really think of other black actors at the time. I mean, I feel like it was pretty much Denzel. Like, he had his reign in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, I think that guy would have been a better option, or the guy from Jason's Lyric. Yeah. I can't. I don't know why I'm blanking on '90s black actors. I'm sure if I saw a film, I'd be like, "Oh yeah, of course, so and so would be great for that." They got I think Tupac would have been a good option. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Tupac would have been a good option because he fits that kind of like lowbrow. I don't say lowbrow, but like he fits yeah. that kind of like you know bad boy image that I think for the family sure. was really trying to like go for. They're trying, or the family, Mina's family was like this. That's the view they had a black man. You know, so I think if he had, if you had somebody like Tupac in there who would have been able to really kind of, you know, lend himself to that image. Yeah. It could have made a stronger point when he was like a good guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, you know, hypothetically casting here. Kind of like what <laughs> just. Not, what, like 20 years later? 20 years later, hypothetical casting. Well, we don't know what their casting process was like, so they might have tried to get to Tupac. Who knows? Yeah, well, I, I was he was alive then, so. Yeah, he would have been alive in 92. Not 96, though, but, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so unfortunate. Yeah. That was, like, right after you were born, or was it right before? before? It, was like, it was, like, a couple months before we were born. Mm-hmm. Like I want to say, like two months before we were born. But yeah, so 
That was a good discussion. I mean, I know it's kind of a long discussion on age gaps, but I think we did we did come to a conclusion that the reason why I was halfway slightly a little bit creeped out is because Denzel was giving me uncle at the time, not boyfriend material, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Well, some of the other things we want to talk about, like in relationship to this film, is... Um, like character types, character archetypes. Um, so one of the character archetypes that we identified for Mina was just how, she, like we were saying earlier, how she really identifies as kind of a Western-like young woman. Um, she's American Indian, but she really sees herself like heavy on the American, I think. You know what I mean? Like she mm-hmm. wants to do the things that kind of all the American girls do, like date, have fun, um, you know, experience life, have love sort of thing. Typical 24-year-old yeah. young lady things. Um, and she really is the main character, I think, who really pushes against tradition in this film. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, yeah. on the other hand, you have Demetrius, who becomes her love interest, who um, he kind of has a type A family, He's family oriented. He's like a good guy. He's more by the books. And we see that when, when we see his brother, his brother is kind of like fooling around doing whatever, lollygagging through life, you know. Um, but Demetrius owns his own carpet cleaning company, he gets steady business, owns his own truck kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, is making yeah. his way. He's blue collar, but he's making his way for himself. You see him progressing in the future to even more better, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that honestly, that dynamic kind of sets up this like Romeo and Juliet. This vibe, this movie has a Romeo and Juliet vibe to to it to me. Obviously, their families aren't necessarily feuding, but they are from different ethnic groups, which kind of clash in the movie. That's like the main source of conflict. So, I think the um, it's sort of like the the other is who you end up wanting to connect with you know and I think that this yeah. film really really plays on that that's a main source of tension you know same thing with Romeo and Juliet is the other family like of all other of all the people you could you know link up with it's the people we like hate the most in Romeo and Juliet you know mm-hmm. so yep very true but, do you think of any other character types or archetypes that were really present that stood out to you? Um, I was, I, I've noticed, I mean, his dad was pretty problematic in my personal opinion. Um, mm-hmm. He was just kind of like stuck in his own like rut. And he was like, to me, he was like trying to drag everybody down into that, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, because he was just like stuck on being get kicked, getting kicked out of Uganda. And he was stuck on that for years and years and years and years and years. Um, mm-hmm. And he ended up going to Uganda at the end of the movie. And I'm um, sending his wife a letter back saying that she is where home is that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, he even did the same thing with his child. He was willing to jeopardize that relationship um, in order to, I guess, fulfill his fantasy of claiming Uganda as his, um, which to me is like an ego thing, a male ego thing. 
Um, even when it comes to giving his da- his daughter off to an Indian man who may have status, who may have this, that, and the other, um, it, it was more of a, an ego thing. Um, so I consider her dad to be problematic. He was very just like worried about his own problems, like in his own ways. He didn't even work. His wife worked because um, he was trying to write letters to Uganda. Like, come on, my friend, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, you gotta, you gotta, I understand you're going through some things and it's okay to go through those things, but that cannot be your end all be all for 20 years. Yeah. Just can't. So definitely giving like obsessed mad scientist vibes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like slightly, you know, because it was just like, he continued to write these letters, you know, over for decades. 20 years. Like that's what he did for 20 years. Like, ugh. yeah. Continue to write these letters, continue to like try to fight the good fight. And I, th- I think it separated. It caused a real rift with his relationship with Mina mm-hmm. because I, I think it, it keeps him from being able to really fully delve into being her father, you know? Yeah. Well, for sure. He was there, but he wasn't there. Um, yeah. Because he was so concerned about what was going on in Uganda and the hurt that he experienced that it made him a non-present parent when he had the opportunity to be present. And so I think Mina also noticed that too. And she's just kind of like, why are you putting everything into this? Like there's so Mm -hmm. many other things that you could be focusing on. And then when she gets, you know, finds this love interest, now you want to suddenly be interested in me and what I have going on. Like, no, thought about, should have thought about that 20 years ago. Um, Even to the point where, you know, she's in this relationship. He's like, no, we're moving to Uganda. Like what? No. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. No. I, I. I totally agree with that. I think that they intended to make his character appear that way, and they succeeded in that for sure. Um. He his kind of obsession is what really it isolates him from his family and from his community. You know, because even the other they didn't um, care. Yeah, he didn't care. Like the other people in the community were like, all you do is sit around and write these letters that are never going to get addressed. I don't know what, like, what's wrong with you, you know what I mean? And on one level, like, they're right to, because it's like allowing something like that to take up so much of your time, you know, just to when he goes back, he's like, I think he realizes like the 20 years writing these letters and kind of being obsessed with like getting his property back, getting his stuff back. It was like, and for what? The country had changed so much by the time he got back, you know, that it really wasn't yeah. home anymore for him. Exactly. And he, I mean, he didn't feel, you can kind of see he looks kind of lost and out of place there. But I mean, so much has happened in Uganda when he went back in that 20 mm-hmm. year span. So it was like, it's not going to be the same. Yeah. And that's I okay. I think that's what, that was what that moment meant. It was like, home is where you take it where your family is, where the things that are most important to you are, but it doesn't have to be a specific place. Yeah. But it took him 20 years to get that, bro. Like, Oh my Mm. God, your child, like in 20 years, cause Mina was about 20, I think she was like 24 in the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, your child was four Mm -hmm. when y'all moved. Like, buddy, you missed a huge part of her life. (laughs) Mm hmm. Writing letters. Yeah. Yeah. Even like his wife, like he wasn't even present for her because like she experienced her own uh, grief from losing everything they had in Uganda too. Um, Mm -hmm. 
But she then took on all that burden and on top of providing for him, which is another problem. Um, I don't necessarily think that men have to be like the quote unquote provider of the home, but you have to contribute something. We're not living here for free, buddy. Even the hotel people, the owners, they got tired of him. They're like, you got to go. He's not going to cut it. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad he eventually had that revelation of like at the end of the film that his uh, letter writing, like so much has changed that it's like, it's not even the home he he had imagined in his head, you know? Mm -hmm. I'm glad that that plot point came full circle because, you know, most of the film was about Mina and Demetrius, but they really rounded out that uh, arc with Jay's character, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and I just think, I think his character was like a warning, like, don't become obsessed because, again, home is where you take it. Home is where your family is. Home is where, home can be anywhere, you know? Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. Anything else you want to discuss, like, with the film? Anything else that stood out to you? Um, Not necessarily. That was, like, the biggest thing to me. Like, her dad was very frustrating to me. (laughs) So, I mean, I think he was frustrating for the people in his family, too. Oh, yeah, in his community. In his community. He was, like, a dead weight just on the log. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, I think his intentions were pure. They always are pure. But how you express that, how that comes out is always, you got to check that, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And I don't think he should have allowed that to get in the way of what he, his parenting with Mina, because I feel like he wanted this like Ugandan dream so bad that he just rejected any new possibility for Mina's life too, you know? Yeah. And he was willing to risk that again at 24 years old. Exactly. I'm just like, for his own he... fulfillment. Exactly. Sort of and his wife, because his wife had like built a, I think, a liquor store or something like that. Yeah, like, she was doing. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He seems very yeah. selfish, in my personal opinion, and like one track minded. Mm-hmm. And he is the center of that track. Yeah, I just, I think he didn't take account for the happiness that his wife and Mina had. And we're trying to build in a new place. I felt like he was like, my happiness can, is only tied to being in Uganda. So if yeah. I'm happy, you all will be happy behind me. And that's exactly. not necessarily the truth. Yep, exactly. That, friends, is what patriarchy looks like. <laughs> so, yeah. I think that's also um, like, oh, I think uh, Mina's attraction to Demetrius, too, is that his um his want for happiness was more than um pain and sorrow he did a lot of sacrificing of his own wants and dreams for other people and mina was like you know i think mina has that in common with demetrius because obviously she didn't have the option like demetrius had but she had to put a lot of her stuff on hold for her father's wants and dreams and so that is a connection mm-hmm. point between them what do we think about them running away? You know how they run away to Biloxi, Mississippi? Which mm-hmm. I had to look at where Biloxi was because I always thought that was inland, but it's actually on a beach. 
like the mm-hmm. Sea, Mississippi is in like the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, I didn't know that. So, and that's why that scene where they're like run away to the beach, um, they're in Biloxi. So, what do you think about them running away? I kind of well, thought they would um, run away forever. One more time. I kind of thought they would run away forever. Well, they did eventually at the end. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was. I think it was like kind of like foreshadowing. It was like when they did that, it was doing it to have a moment of um, just like self-gratification kind of thing, right? I guess with each other. Have a good time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, it becomes something that it sh- maybe should not have become. And it was just kind of like, what are you willing to risk to have this relationship? What are you willing to risk to have happiness? Um, what is the price that you will pay, right? Um, and at the end, they ended up just leaving their families, to be with one another. So mm-hmm. there is, in any relationship that you're in, there is a level of sacrificing that you have to do. Um, obviously, they sacrifice going to jail. Um, not everybody's willing to sacrifice that. But in the end, they were willing to just cut the ties with their family uh, to be with one another and nourish that relationship. So a little foreshadowing. Yeah. I think they I didn't really see it. a problem with it. They're grown, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I, I don't know. I guess, again, back to what I was saying about the uncle vibe, I was always like, eh, why are you running away with this dude? But, I mean, I, think I they just could have picked a better actor. I, well, they could have picked a younger bodied actor. Not that Den- yeah. I mean, Denzel's a fabulous actor. He did his job. 100%. He did a great, great job in it. I just think it would have been more, it would have felt a little more Romeo Juliet, I guess, to me. A little yeah. more useful if they had somebody like a Tupac's age in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think it also would have been just a better uh, look. Not saying that yeah. Daniel is, and I hate to say that because Denzel is amazing. You know, what I mean, he looks amazing. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like the fit of the relationship, yeah, and it's because Mina's so much younger, mm-hmm. over ten years younger. Almost fourteen years younger than, yeah, right? Than him. Mm-hmm. Than him well, I don't know how old the real actor is, but I think she was in her twenty, early twenties, hmm. at the yeah. time. I don't even know if she was actually twenty four. She was probably like twenty two. I think, yeah, maybe she looks really young. So, yeah, and that's what made it. Even their like sex scene, I was like a little cringe because it just felt like it didn't. It didn't feel as a appropriate really okay you know what i mean it felt more it felt like uncle it just felt like uncle <laughs> to me yeah i guess and that's the way was kind of like you know like speaking to her through like that process just felt he just he always felt a little more like uncle like i'm i'm older i've lived really? longer sort of. and i, I think that like, he's he's is like what did you say i see i saw that as like he was just being attentive I think it was partly attentive, but also partly uncle. Like, partly, I'm older, I know what I'm doing. No, because, I mean, it's just like a child, right? You, like, I hate to say child, because well, you, yeah, you just proved my point. Anyways, <laughs> not like a child, but, like, especially when you're, like, I think, though, like, especially those moments when it's, like, somebody new that you're, like, sleeping with, 
it's mm-hmm. important to be like, I wouldn't say walk them through the process, but like, kind of like, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, you should you should be actively discussing these things. Yeah, as exactly. And I think that that's what I saw that just because like me personally, if like if I'm having a, a relationship like that with somebody new, like this is not about to be like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know what I mean? Like this is this, that's just not like, no. So, yeah, I mean, OK, yes, I agree. I think I think on some level, yes, that was it was the newness of it. So I think that's how they got a that they got away with that representation. That's not a getaway. Not get away, but that's how it that's how it can be read. But I just I guess again it's the older thing for me. I guess. Well, that makes it feel a little uncle. A little awkward. A little like why is uncle doing these things? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm so saying. What do you think were some like impactful scenes? Um, I think, and actually an impactful scene is the scene where, uh, Mina's mom, way early in the movie, Mina's mom is taken out of the bus by the Ugandan, by Idi Amin's, like, uh, Mm. army, and they, like, almost, they don't strip search her, but they, like, search her. I think that was an impactful scene, because it was so, like, demeaning. I think it really gets at how, uh, harsh and invasive that, uh, coup that government takeover really was yeah um, and how aggressive and militaristic it was and i think that really you know you know that really pulled at my heartstrings because you see her kind of she's like afraid of that they're going to kill her you know in that moment yeah yeah and especially in front of her child yeah i think that was a really really smart way of showing how aggressive the uh the takeover was yeah yeah for sure without obviously showing big massive fights and like combat you know mm-hmm. shows something really personal and, and impactful yeah for sure yeah but yeah what that about you uh, mine was the, uh the calling in the rain at the payphone um to mm-hmm. tell the families they were leaving because it like i the idea of rain symbolizing um like getting rid of the old and bringing in the new, it was just like a new start for them. They're starting over um, in mm-hmm. this new space with each other kind of thing. And they're going to live like their life, their purpose, however they see fit, not living for anyone else. Um, because Demetrius was kind of living under the shadow of his, uh, well, not under the shadow, but kind of living for his dad and taking care of things that his dad couldn't necessarily take care of him anymore. Um, and uh, Mina living for her parents because they had this idea of what her life should look like, right? Um, and so that's like very liberating to be able to live for yourself and what your hopes and dreams are and not live for somebody else. Because I know a lot of parents that want things to go how they want it to go or look how they want it to look. So you have to do what they tell you to do, um, which is not living at all. So, Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think that was a really um, that was a really impactful scene and a really subtle way to end that kind of or to usher in the new life that Demini, uh, Mina and Demetrius were going to go live. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, and I'm glad they included that in there. Because sometimes when people just do like a rain scene, it feels very cliche. Like, uh, yeah, you know, but I think in this instance, it made sense. And mm-hmm. it was the subtle kind of subtle impact that that moment needed, you know? Mm-hmm. 
I think also, too, there's this idea of that, like, if you go back, you'll be, like, pulled back in, you know what I mean? Like, while I'm out um, in, a, like, a neutral territory, like, I am, I'm, I'm free, I'm clear-minded, I am, you know, I'm no longer worried about anyone else. So, um, they have that, that level of freedom just by going to that payphone and calling that they would not have back home. Like her mom was trying to, Mina's mom was trying to pull her back home to be like, hey, come home, come home and we can talk about this, which meant that she would never leave. You know what I mean? She would always be living under her parents' wills and wishes. Um, versus Demetrius' dad was like, do your thing, bro. <laughs> Gotta do it. You, know, you lived for me enough um, and your brother will have to figure out some things. He'll probably be better off without you. So... Yeah. I wonder if there's a difference in how they see this based off of gender. Like they're more concerned about their daughter going out into the world like that mm-hmm. and less concerned about their male child going out into the world. You know what I mean? I, I think it was more of, um, I think Mina's parents came from more of a sense of you're going out with Demetrius. Yeah. In anything. I don't think it was because if Mina was like, I want to go, you know, do something by myself, I think they would have been more inclined because they gave her the freedom to do a lot of things that she wanted to do by herself. Yeah. Um, it was just like because she was going with that particular guy. Exactly. Yeah. So. Now, okay. As we wrap up the episode, what do you think? What do you think happened to uh, Mina and Demetrius after they uh, left Mississippi? Well, they discussed like doing the carpet cleaning business. So I, I, I would assume they did that um, to live and get by. But I would love to say that they traveled. They always talked about that dur- during uh, their chats and stuff like that, about going here, there, other way, everywhere. So I would like to think that they are, are traveling, um, seeing the world, exploring the world, uh, and, and doing what truly makes them happy. Because they have sacrificed so much of their lives doing things for other people. So I would I would hope that they're doing those things that make them happy. Um, by traveling, which they discussed. So, yeah, I think they ended up in California. Really? Yeah, I think they drove to California. Cause, like, why not? They got the van. They're in uh, Mississippi, a couple states away. Mississippi is not a couple states from California. That's a long way. No, I drove to Mississippi, so I know how many. I know exactly at least five or six states. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, it's less states than South Carolina. Yes. But I think, I don't know. I think they ended up, they ended up somewhere, set up a family. They're still together. Got two kids in college now. And a white picket fence. Yeah. I think they, I really do think they had a happy ever after. I don't know. always think that. But I think they had a happy ever after. Yeah, I think so too. Either that or Mina started her hot girl phase immediately after. (laughs) I feel like that was a thing back then, but. Yeah, not quite. Not the same way now, but. But yeah, that's what I think. I don't think they had children right away, though. No, I think they lived their best life first. Yeah. As they should. Wait. Wait. I don't think they ended up in L.A., but I do think they ended up in California. Uh, I feel like they traveled, honestly. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they, like, went to a different country and, like, live, like, Mexico. Yeah, that, that's true, too. You're right. They could have done that. Yeah. They were open. Yeah, very. Mm-hmm. Pretty adventurous. Well, you know, especially. But. They're like, we're going to do what works for us. Exactly. 
And now I'm here for that, like, as you should, seriously. Yeah. Absolutely. You got to do what works for you, man. Yeah. Moral of the movie, don't let your parents run your life. Seriously. In 1992 or 2022. Exactly. So wait, how many years ago that was that? 30 years then? That, that was 30 years. So 92, 02. 2012. Uh, 12. 20, yep. 22 to 30 years. Who cares? I mean, we're getting old. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> nah, 40 to 30. Honey, I'm 22. I will always be. Exactly. All right, well, that was our discussion on Mississippi Masala. We hope you guys enjoyed it. We hope you, um, if you watched the film before, um, we hope you found some of the same themes that we found or found some of the same, you know, talking points that we found. And if you haven't, we hope that this encourages you to, uh, that this podcast encourages you to watch the film and see what you can pick up and see the kind of the lens you can watch this film through. Um, yeah thanks for watching thanks for joining us we'll see you in the next one bye guys bye